over 30 years of advice for your house, home, castle, or cabin. Y'all have things you want to get done. It's Rosie on the House. Oh, yeah, it is. Come on in, y'all. Come into my house. For all of you Arizona homeowners, this is the happiest place you can be. We have been building and remodeling Arizona homes since 1972, okay? And I can put all that building and remodeling and repair work to work for you, regardless what it is you're trying to get done around your house, home, castle, or cabin, even regardless of where you're located in the state of Arizona. We've built and remodeled in Flagstaff. How about, how about how many how many remodelers do you know have gone to Wikiup, Arizona? We have remodeled in Wikiup, in Quartzsite. We've remodeled in Eager, in Springerville. We've done a bit of work in Tucson. We are primarily located in Maricopa County and have done work countywide. So regardless where you are in Arizona, I've probably been there. And regardless what you're trying to get done, I've probably tried it a time or two, and I'd be more than happy to share my experience with you if you just dial one 767 We'll put that remodeling and repair business experience to work for you to help you in any way we can. That's what we do every Saturday morning on the Rosie on the House radio broadcast. We also have a website. RosieOnTheHouse.com. Now, we've been doing this broadcast for 35 years, hundreds and hundreds of hours of broadcast time, thousands and thousands of Arizona-specific homeowner questions. And we take those questions and we post them on our website, RosieOnTheHouse.com, as well as the correct answer. And you find that uh, under homeowner resources. And it's an encyclopedia. It's a free encyclopedia of Arizona homeownership. Now, some of you have caught on that we also run a business during the week and you wait and call us during the week. We would so much rather you please call us on Saturday morning. It's our time allocated to answering your questions You'll get immediate response. There's no delay. There's no wait. You called her in the week. We've got a million things we're trying to get done, and it may delay the answer a, a, a day or two at least. So there have been calls and questions coming in uh, through the, the text machine, the Internet machine, and during the break. Miss Jennifer, what have you got? Well, I've got a couple here. Miss Sharon asks, uh, she says they're looking for information about installing laminate over a cement slab that has developed a 15-foot crack. Oh, no. No, 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 no. No, no? No, 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 no. No. Uh, she's talking about a, a, a laminate flooring, which is a very thin material. And if that isn't laid on top of virtually a perfect concrete floor, the, whatever imperfection is in the slab is going to telegraph through to the vinyl floor. And if it's a 15 or 20-foot crack, 
you almost have to go back to what Ian was talking about in the last segment in, in stitching the swimming pool uh, shell. Uh, when you have a crack like that, you're remodeling your home, you rip up the flooring. Oh, man, I, I didn't even know that was there. Well, you ought to address it at that point. And you address it by taking a four-foot level and put the crack right in the middle of the level. If it's a four-foot level, in the middle of the level, put that right over the top of the crack and just rock the level and see is the concrete slab on either side of the crack lifting or moving or is it staying perfectly flat? If it's staying perfectly flat, that's good. At the very least, you want to get a termite control company to come in and drill both sides of that crack. They drill holes every 12 inches on both sides of the crack, and they saturate the area under that crack with termiticide to discourage termites because that crack slab is a condition conducive to termite infestation. So, you repair the crack, you treat it with termite in uh, treatment, and then you go in with the flooring of your choice. But just know this, any imperfection that isn't cosmetically taken care of or structurally taken care of will come through tile, ceramic tile, porcelain tile, or vinyl tile. You can hide some of it with carpet, but uh, who wants carpet? Dirtiest floor covering on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> well, that should help Miss Sharon out quite a bit. Well, I, boy, I hope she doesn't lay vinyl tile on top of a 20-foot crack. That would be a, a bad, bad mistake. That would. Be, I think I even could have answered that one. Hey, how about Chip from Mesa? One more question for you. Um, he has wind turbines on his roof. They last from four to six years, and they're under a warranty, and then they get replaced. Um, he is thinking about going to a solar-powered vent. Do you have any opinion on that? Oh, you can you can answer this one too. I You're talking about whirlybird vents. Yeah. Uh-huh. Wind turbines on my roof. Two, he has two fourteen inch. I'm surprised he's only getting four to six years out of them. I mean, most of those go twenty years at least. But so, if you if you have a noisy bearing in one and you're replacing it, and you're trying to decide whether to go, what you have now, the man's name was Chip, yes. is that right? Mm-hmm. Chip. What you have now, Chip, is what we call passive. And people think those whirlybirds spin because hot air is rising, but that's not true. It's spinning because of the breeze in the air. That's passive. You're contemplating putting a solar power ventilator up there. Don't do it. So, and we've got great articles that we'll send you on our website as to why. We would dive into that now, but we actually have something special. It is Water Month, and we have a brand new House legislation bill that was passed designating a billion dollars over the next three years to water resources. And we had an opportunity this week to visit with the sponsor of that bill. We've got a great opportunity to talk with Senator Cena Kerr of Legislation District 13, but after the redistrict, it's going to be 25. We have uh, a new legislation signed June 6th that allocates a billion dollars over the next three years to Arizona Water Resources. Yes, so that's Senate Bill 1740, and uh, the governor signed it. But the general effective date will be September 24th. The Water Infrastructure Finance Authority, which is where the uh, legislation is, is how we crafted it to sit under what we call WIFA. And so they are currently still in the process and will continue to be in the rulemaking process as they 
work to set up this new uh, program under their purview. And so WIFA has been around a while. That they, was my question. Is this a brand new no. existing? Okay. Uh, so we, we chose to put it under an existing entity, and they've been around since 1997. Okay. And they've done an exceptional job, great reputation um, in distributing funds that come either from the federal government, and most recently we had added some state dollars under their uh, purview. And so to date they have distributed $2.6 billion in water water infrastructure projects. And so they they were the you know the best entity to go to. They were already set up with the the basic structure. But what Senate Bill 1740 did, it expanded their authority and, and will allow us to do what we hope to accomplish and what we expect to accomplish with with this bill. And in the governor's press release, he talks about a new board structure that's being appointed by legislation and governor as well. So there's additional when you say expanded, the, there's still a selection process of who to put on that board. Exactly. So it was critically important that we fashion this legislation with plenty of oversight and transparency. You know, we're talking about a billion dollars of our hard-earned taxpayer dollars. And so we want to make sure we have that oversight in place. So there will be a total of nine members on this new expanded WIFA board. Four are direct legislative pick. Four are from the governor, the executive picks, and one's a statewide pick. And that one will be selected by the governor from a list provided by the Senate president and the speaker and all the, the water and finance experts. So it provides a good balance, you know, good good oversight. And in addition to that, there's going to be a joint legislative water committee that will vet projects over $50 million. So there's there's different components to that financing. And there's uh, three pots of, I guess, buckets of water, I should say, that we provided. So there will be a $200 million conservation program. Then there will be $250 million, what we call um, for in-state projects, and then the rest, about $750 million, will be uh, earmarked for finding new water from out of state, essentially how the, the framework will work for the bill. And if you go to rosieonthehouse.com and click on our blog, there's a new one there, Solutions and Ideas, Solution Ideas and Concepts to Arizona Water Supplies. Um, and we have a survey there where you could fill out, all right, if you were going to submit ideas to this board, <laughs> what three areas of water conservation, you have to come with a plan, would you do? And we published that survey earlier this week on our social media, and we've got a few responses in. But you can also, on that blog, it's uploading right now, but that interview was about a 40-minute interview that we won't have time to play during the entire broadcast, but we've got a few key points we'll play throughout the month. Well, you can go view that whole uh interview on our YouTube channel that's either on our YouTube channel or the embed code is on that uh, on that blog. Some of the stuff that has come back uh, from our, our listeners, uh, reducing the use of water. Okay, well, everyone says that, but how? What are you specifically going to do to reduce it? Uh, conservation, again, that's the same thing as reducing. Um Increase gray water usage. That's Clever. an example Clever. of a of, of of 
specific action item. Uh, we get items like uh, the rivers, uh, piping and river water from different rivers like the Snake and the Mississippi. And we'll spend – there's a segment, a portion of that interview with Sign Car. We talk about that and just what, what it would really take to pull that off. So if you've got an opinion, let's hear from you. Go to rosieonthehouse.com. Click on our blog in the most recent uh, post, Solution Ideas and Concepts on Arizona Water Supply. Fill out the survey, and if you want, that entire 40-minute interview is there. Well, if you're a newcomer to Arizona and you live in Scottsdale, uh, you got introduced to Monsoon last night. Boy, did you. Oh, man. Baby. Mesa Tempe got hit really hard about a month ago with power lines going down on Beeline Highway. Uh, Scottsdale got hit pretty good last night with power lines going down all around Cactus and Scottsdale Road. Um, Now, y'all consider that a severe storm, but we Romero's are from Hurricane Alley. Um, We call that a frog choker with a bit of wind. Well, thankfully, there we can say no one was seriously hurt last night. Very thankful for that. I saw some cars in some very some precarious rescues, some rescues. situations. Power was, lines on top. It was, a on del- top. it was a deluge. It, it was over two inches. And I, I know, just I think I know, from just looking out the window of where I was, there was sustained 40 mile an hour and, and, and gusts. Well above 50, 55 miles an hour, and there's trees down everywhere. So, it reminded me of a tropical storm in Louisiana. That's that's I, the, that's the monsoon, baby. When the wind was howling under my carport, I mean, I could turn everything off the house. And I'm like, uh-oh, bad memories. <laughs> Power outages and all. But you know what? If you had been listening to Rosie on the House since May, oh, we you, had, would have been, you would have been prepared for this. We did have a great <laughs> article and interview with Kowalski Construction on managing the storm water on your property and how to be prepared for that when you do get these gushing downpours. Uh, you can go to rosieonthehouse.com and in the search engine just type in the hashtag storm water and that'll bring you to an entire article and then you can listen to the podcast as well with Jim Kowalski. They've been in the restoration uh, business in Arizona for over 60 years. And the Coronado National Forest Service Twitter account has been awful busy. They posted a lot of the runoff coming down Catalina. They had to work with a couple fire crews out of Tucson, oh Rosemont, and Pima stations to do uh, an over-the-water rescue with the ladder for 21 adults, three kids, and an oh, infant. Oh, my goodness. Out of Bear Canyon, so they, there was a lot, uh, a lot of water. Our arborists were in this morning. They said we don't even want to talk about it because we're slammed. They got to work last night about nine o'clock when the storm blew through, and their crews are still working through this morning at Save a Tree. Then uh, Gary's like, I, I don't even want to mention the storm because we, we, our, we're, our guys are exhausted. Oh. We've got to. As soon as we get the roads clear, they're going to go home and sleep the weekend. The the power went off at our house at about 3.30 yesterday afternoon and didn't come back on until 4.30 this morning. So I slept uh, on a cot out at the the swimming pool, or should I say tried to sleep. There were chainsaws (laughs) 
and APS trucks. And, uh, I mean, it was, it was like I was in the middle of Grand Central Station all night long. I, 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 I'm going to have a nice little Saturday afternoon nap. I guarantee that, yeah. I don't think we've ever been without power for 12 hours. That Never. was a new experience. We ate dinner in the dark, and the grandkids were over, played games in the dark. This morning looked like a party happened. <laughs> it was too dark to clean up. It was kind of spread out, that's for sure. I do have that article on Facebook coming out at 11, too, so if you're looking for it, and don't, it'll show up on your Facebook feed. And that amount of water came just a day after Central Arizona Project Supply posted their July runoff records, and July from this year was about 60% under the uh, 30-year average that they've been monitoring. So I know this doesn't really apply to the runoff calculation because this wasn't the snow filling up. But that is one thing that they talk about a lot is, you know, past Bartlett and Saguaro. You know, Tempe Town Lake isn't really a water reservoir for consumption. You know, there's, there's nothing catching that runoff water going downstream. It all ends up in the Colorado as the Gila and the Salt and the Verde all drain out. So that's one of those measures. So could you count that runoff and say, all right, Yuma, this water <laughs> runoff is 100,000 acre feet of water. So you're going to pump 100,000 less down there and let CAP pump 100,000 more up here. And I, I in, you know, in, yeah. in gallons or whatever yeah. the case may be. Indian Ben Wash was a flowing <laughs> last night for quite a while. It was it was really pretty incredible. We posted a picture last weekend, uh, and you can still find it on Facebook. It's a little movie of a of what a flash flood looks like. It was just in the desert. You know, it didn't involve any cars, but just when you're driving around and there's weather like that, things can happen so fast. I'm just very thankful that we got through last night without any horrible events. Amen. Called the live edge or leading edge of a new stream. And uh, it can be incredibly horrifying uh, to watch it roll towards you, up to you and past you and hopefully leave you alone. But that's a, I've I've only, I've only witnessed it firsthand on the ground once, but I've witnessed it from the air a couple times, but boy, that's, that's, that's threatening. So that was a, um, that was a frog choking rain because even the frogs couldn't stay above it. It was raining so hard uh, with a bit of wind. But in Arizona, we call that a monsoon. And we are always very thankful for it, especially when we can get through it with moisture and little to no property damage. With Rosie on the house, we try and reach out to our Arizona homeowners in many ways to give you all the information you need uh, on the proper care, maintenance, and repair of your Arizona home. And one of the ways we do that is by subscription only. You can go to our website, rosieonthehouse.com, and request a subscription to a weekly email newsletter that will come to you 
tipping you off as to what this coming Saturday's broadcast will cover. If it's a topic that particularly piques your interest, you'll know to bookmark that in your calendar and make sure you don't miss it. If you do miss it, all of our broadcast segments are podcast available. But in this week's newsletter, we talk about Flagstone. Uh, kind of seeing a little bit of resurgence in Flagstone. It, it seems like it just kind of went away for a long, long time. But we're seeing it coming back. Now, I'll say one thing about Flagstone. It's authentic. It's natural. Uh, and you can get it as rough or as smooth as you like. Um, you can have a smooth flagstone floor. A lot of people don't do flagstone because they like all four legs of their chair on the ground at the same time and all four legs of their table on the floor at the same time. So you're not rocking the iced tea drink or whatever it is that's on the table. Flagstone can be done that way. Uh, it's It's a bit more laborious, which makes it a bit more expensive. But it is a gorgeous floor, and it's completely natural. It's gorgeous. Once it's down, if you don't mind just a little bit of flaking of the the sheets of flagstone off occasionally, uh, it's close to a zero-maintenance floor. Uh, You can seal it, which is a good thing. It'll actually keep that scaling and peeling to a minimum. It's a a surface I like. because Ashfork, Arizona is the flagstone capital of the world. If you're laying flagstone, you're probably laying a, prod, a product indigenous to the great state of Arizona. I like flagstone. I like it on the expensive, very particular course where you don't lay random pieces of stone left natural. You actually take a four-inch grinder and you shape each flagstone so that the mortar joints in between are even and not random. I think that's so handsome. You polish it, you seal it. I think that's as good a look on the floor as you can get. Yeah, and I'd like tight mortar joints. Yeah, yeah. I don't like the ones where they just, it's like they laid it out and just gobbed a bunch they of grout in between. In I don't. I think that makes it very hard to match it with other design styles and colors that it's hard to make make it even for Mm -hmm. sure yeah so done done right it can be a great one and one thing you were talking about you know being every arizona's best friend in distribution we have a weekly article in the casa grand dispatch and i pulled an article out from last week just to talk about uh they had some heavy rains yes they did you, you read this statement and you're left with a pretty drastic impression. Two members of a family in Castigram were extremely lucky to escape serious injury after a wall of their home collapses on top of them. Oops. Now, Thank look at that you. and tell me if you think that's a wall. What you're looking at is that somebody built an Arizona room over a patio that didn't use any green wood, didn't look like they even bolted the bottom plate onto the concrete patio, Put a bunch of T-111 siding on it, so it made it extremely heavy, and called that a room. That's that's not anything uh, that would ever gotten a permit. 
That's not anything <laughs> any contractor that was licensed would have ever done in their life. Uh, so it's just one of those, that, you know, there's a reason uh, building codes are in place. There's a reason uh, standards are in place. There's a reason we have an inspection department. So if you are just a, a fair warning to watch for those things, and it is pretty easy and common. You do see uh, carports that are filled in to add another room that aren't done properly or extensions on the patios that aren't done properly. Uh, you know, look look for those things as you're buying uh, and, and looking for homes throughout the state of Arizona because there was a lot of homes built that way and a lot of a lot of cheap easy fixes went over it stan calling from prescott valley let's see if we can help him out yes sir good morning um the question we have a 4200 square foot house and uh, it's a two-story and we have two air conditioning units a five ton upstairs and a three and a half down and they're uh this is their 16th season and we've had a little bit of issue with one downstairs um and when they came out in service, that they were able to repair it by replacing a uh, circuit board. But they advised us that they were both R22 units and that they, you know, need to be replaced because if they fail, they can't be repaired. And so my question is, um, you know, should we invest? Because apparently the one downstairs is another problem. It's not a Freon-related problem at this point, just electrical. But should we spend any more money on repairs or just start getting the units replaced? And if so... Do you have any certified uh, providers up in Prescott? Okay. Uh, Stan, uh, the units are 16 years old. Did I hear that right? Yes, that's correct. And and they are heat pumps? Yes. Okay. Uh, and you've got five and a half tons on 4,200 square feet. You're beginning to experience repairs. I would, they're of the age you ought to start considering replacement. You may not have to replace both at the same time. Uh, you're looking at a pretty, a pretty good expense to replace these. The only thing you said that the technician told you, I really have a personal bias against air conditioning techs that try and talk you into new air conditioners on the argument that R22 isn't available. It is. It's no longer made, but it's warehoused by an unbelievable amount of bulk amount. It it won't be available in the future, but it's available now. So I don't like technicians using that as an argument. Now, here's some reasons to consider it. 16 years old, your air conditioning units, do you mind sharing with me what brand they are? They're Goodman. Okay. Um the Goodman 16-year-old is probably an efficiency rating of something in the neighborhood of about 6 to 9, okay? Uh, your new units, um, and, and, and by the way, if you're looking at new units, I would look, I would look at, a, at a, a different brand. Um, we're big train uh, fans. We're big Linux fans. Um, you're going to be at an efficiency rating of about 14 or 15. Now, it's not that big a deal in Prescott Valley. You're not dealing with 115-degree summers, but you're dealing with 100-degree, and you're going to see your cooling bill go down. Not enough to get a return on investment, but enough to satisfy uh, your inner cheapskate like I have. Uh, you'll When I replaced my air conditioners 11 years ago, I didn't change anything, nothing, no windows, no insulation. I didn't change the temperature settings, nothing. And because my equipment was that much more efficient, uh, I saved 25% uh, 
all my summer cooling bills. So I would, I would maybe take a look at another estimate or two. Uh, I wouldn't, it, it's going to be a pretty major investment to replace five and a half tons in two units. Get a couple quotes before you do. Uh, and, and go from there. But it's at 16 years old. But I, I've seen air conditioning equipment. I'll, I will tell you this. I have not seen very many Goodman packages at 20 or 25 years old. But I've seen air conditioning packages 20, 25. I, I saw an air conditioning package two weeks ago. It was 40 years old and still working fine. So... Get some other estimates. Take a look at it. Don't let the R22 scare you into any pro uh, fear decision and go from there. We appreciate the call. Jennifer and I spent a lovely week up in Prescott this past week in a little part of town we weren't familiar with and out on White Spar Road that we'd never stayed at before. and Just kind of fell in love with the little neighborhood. It was gorgeous. Loved it. It was up out of the desert and up into the forest. I didn't realize how quickly it goes from high desert to forest. And we just really found a nice little pocket back in there and a little Airbnb, no neighbors, lots of deer. It was fun. Every morning got to see three little fawns walking right up the creek. It was, it was beautiful. The grandkids really got a kick out of that. What have you got for me there, darling? They're continuing to come in. Yeah, so I have um, uh, one lady. She says, well, since the rain started, one by one, our interior doors will not shut. The home is just one year old. Doors are hollow five panel. What do we do? All right. Um, uh, one year old uh, means that it's still under uh, right to review at the registrar contractors. I would contact my contractor. And some contractors, no matter how long they've been in the business, don't realize the doors have six sides. They have two faces and four edges. And many, many times the top and the bottom edge don't get sealed because they're kind of hard to seal when the door's pre-hung on the hinges and you're trying to get through the job and get out of there. Uh, that's generally the biggest reason interior door, any door at all, swells or doesn't hold up well. The very top and the very bottom were not sealed. What I don't want you to do is close the door and take a pencil and draw where the jam is hitting the door and then go get a 60-grit belt sander and belt sand the door down. Do not do that. That's what most people do, and you're just ended up creating a horrible problem for yourself. The house is one-year-old. Reach out to your contractor. Ask them if, in fact, they can verify all six sides of the door were sealed, and let's make sure the doors are hung properly. Let's, let's, let's get them hung right before we start shaving away with a 60-grit belt sander. And, it, and if you do have to plane off some, no, you're exposing raw wood again, and that will have to be sealed again. You want one more? I think we can squeeze one more in. Okay. So this is a longtime listener, knows your opinion about Radiant Barrier, but wants to know um, he has a neighbor who'd used some and felt he had good return on investment. He had put some on a OSB um, on the walls and roof decking. Uh, and he felt it reduced the heat transfer. So this guy wants to add, uh, roof. he says, is radiant barrier on a roof decking helpful? And is it helpful on exterior, exterior sheathing? Um, okay, radiant barrier is a reflective material that a lot of insulation companies sell, shredded into little bit of scraps that they sprinkle over the top of your attic insulation. That radiant barrier does absolutely exactly nothing. Any money you spend putting radiant 
barrier insulation in your attic is wasted money. If you're building from scratch or remodeling and you want to order your roof sheathing with a radiant barrier on one side, it's, it, there, there's no reason not to. Um, so in that application, I want to be very, very careful. In that application, there's nothing wrong with using the radiant barrier. I would argue that uh, the uh, benefits will be minuscule, but if you're so inclined, go ahead. Never put radiant barrier insulation in your attic. Wrapping it up, winding it down. Here at Rosie on the House, last segment of the broadcast for today. You know what? I wanted to just give a little mention to our friend Bridges Connor at, um, you can find her at Get Organized with Bridges.com. But she has a great newsletter. Go in there and sign up for it, and she gives you all kinds of tips. If you're getting ready for the school year, she has a great newsletter this week about creating a drop zone for all the stuff. Then the kids come home. Having a snack station, that's genius. Um, creating homework stations, laundry, helping the, having the kids all help sort laundry so you're not stuck with laundry all over the house. And the command center. The command center is perfect. She teaches you how to take a, uh, a writing board, a cork board, and little mailboxes. So you have a place where you all come in and you can just take a look and see where everybody's supposed to be and things that need to be signed. So the command center. But she is, she's just a whiz-bang at getting you organized. We just got last last week. I used one of her ideas. We had gotten a new Sub Zero, and um, our forty year old one finally died. <laughs> and it's just so big inside. May it rest in peace. It it it's it, so big inside. It deserved to be buried with honors. <laughs> well, and it, but the new ones don't have the in. You know how you open the door and they have the shelves like on well, the door. Well, this model this model did not yeah. have it. Yeah. So I was a little lost. So I went and got. I thought I was genius. I went and got baskets and I organized everything. And then just the next week, she shows you how to buy clear baskets. So I have to go back to the store and get like clear so that you can actually see what's in those. So I've got them organized now. I just have to put them in clear ones. But anyway, she's got great tips. I'll tell you one thing about that Sub-Zero. We were without power 12 hours. I said, Jennifer, this morning before we left for the show, I said, get in there and empty that ice bucket. She opened the ice bucket. It was still, it hadn't even started to melt. That was pretty impressive. That was. We had to keep the kids out of the fridge overnight. But <laughs> <laughs> Organization by Bridges? Get organized with Bridges. Very good. Dot com. Get that newsletter. It comes right to your email box, and you have all kinds of, you know, she gives you a little bit at a time so you don't get overwhelmed because it, it can be overwhelming. But those are just great ways to get through the school year with kids. Don't. Organizing a lot of times comes with new coat of paint. As you're cleaning up and organizing. Oh, yeah. And I'm looking at a post by Arizona Painting Company, one of our certified painters, and the network. And they have a new color palette that's inspired by the Arizona Native Stone Fire Agate. And oh. it's beautiful, rich colors that are like deep reds and uh, burgundies and clays. and I mean, the, the names are all, you know, names that 
you wouldn't rec- you know you wouldn't associate with colors that <laughs> so I'm giving you similar colors but they're it's all very deep and rich so that uh, if you're trying to match something to the Arizona native check out that color palette from Arizona Paint Company with your new flagstone floor with your new flagstone <laughs> floor <laughs> there you go I got a renewal notice final renewal notice that my home warranty may be or is expiring now the problem with that is I never had a home warranty and. They make it a very scary uh, email, uh, letter. Without this warranty in place, you're at risk of being financially reliable for any and all home repairs. Well, as a homeowner, that's your job to maintain and repair your home. Uh, and they try and hoax me into signing up with this $200 voucher that looks like a check at the bottom that I'm going to suddenly get this magic $200. We're not in the most cases – and I say most, I haven't found one yet where I would recommend a home warranty because the contractors through their network, the warranty company selects and they are highly motivated and incentivized to sell product because they are commission-based. So if you have equipment breakage insurance, if you're worried about not being able to repair or finance the cost of big ticket items like roofing, new windows, air conditioning unit, you know, things that need to be replaced – uh, there are insurance policies you can get for that, and a lot of contractors now offer financing for those big-ticket items as well. So there's a lot of ways to manage that without paying a home warranty. So you're paying after you have the product, and you, then you get to select the contractor you're using. And that's that's the big thing is being able to select your own contractor, not calling a warranty and just having some random person you have no idea show up. If you're of the mindset that you live at peace, knowing the expensive items in your home need to be insured to protect you from unexpected large expenses, we would encourage you to trust the person that has your homeowner's insurance before you would trust someone with a third-party warranty service. Okay? Then you get to pick who does the work. Contractors you have a relationship with. So, not a big, not a big fan. But there's a lot of great options. Focus Companies is one that has a, a lot of great uh, options for equipment breakage coverage. And then this week we've got a lot coming up for the following uh, months. We've all month long is Water Month at Rosie on the House. We may have to make that a year subject. <laughs> ah. It might get a little washed out. We dragged <laughs> okay. that one out of okay. here. But, right. sh- <laughs> but the August 27th one is fun because it, we are compiling a master list of resources to put together on that are categorized by different areas. So like new water resources. Here's all the things to consider. Agricultural conversation. Here's all the things to consider. Uh an interesting thing, crops that grow in seawater, changing out what we grow near the oceans to vegetation that actually thrives off of seawater. So then you can just pump straight out of the sea to irrigate your crop. Uh, municipal uh, conservation recycling. So it's going to be a really fun broadcast. If you've got questions during the week, R-O-S-I-E, on the house.com.